Hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast, where we bring you the week's most interesting and compelling seafood news. I'm Drew Cherry, Editor-in-Chief. I'm joined today by John Fiorillo, Executive Editor. And we are just now taping uh, on May 17th. Happy uh, May 17th to all our Norwegian colleagues out there and, uh, and um, uh, on the U.S. side uh, of things. Uh, the big thing is Copper River. Today is the first day uh, of opening of the storied, maybe much hyped, depends on where you come down on the issue, uh, Copper River salmon season. For those of you that aren't familiar with Copper River, it is uh, more or less the first major wild salmon run uh, to happen in, in Alaska. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's generally accompanied by a lot of fanfare. Um, Alaska Airlines will fly a a first jet of salmon down to Seattle and, you know, high-end chefs will use it. And there's all kinds of coverage, kind of breathless coverage of the fish. And so that tends to drive the prices up astronomically. And, uh, and it ends up being a very unusual time for the seafood uh, market here in the U.S. So, uh, John, why don't we kick it off? Uh, our colleague Rachel Sapin is actually doing the heavy lifting right now on, uh, on Copper River because she's reporting on it. So she's on the phone, on Facebook, on Twitter, on et cetera, et cetera, uh, juggling everything, trying to get uh, some of those first grounds prices from fishermen and getting an update on how uh, fishing's going, et cetera. Um, John, what's different about this year? Obviously, COVID. Um, any thoughts from your side on how things uh, might might unfold in this year's Copper River uh, season? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, fish have to show up, first of all, and let's assume that they do. Um the fish will be entering a very hot U.S. retail market, so that bodes well. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the data on the U.S. Uh, seafood market at the retail level, and uh, there's, you know, continues to be very strong. So, uh, unlike last year, you know, when there was so much um, uncertainty about COVID and people, you know, were in lockdown, they weren't going to stores and, and things like that. And, um, you know, this year is, uh, I won't say it's wide open, but it's certainly better uh, than it was um, a year ago. So, uh, you know, you would assume that people would begin uh, going back to normal behaviors and, and Copper River is, you know, like you said, it's more or less the first summer wild salmon uh, out of Alaska. And it has a huge following, um, both on the chef level and on the consumer level. So, um, you know, it might just be the right fish at the right time right now, hopefully. Well, there are some differences this year from from last year, of course. Um, number one, uh, as you mentioned, things are, are slightly more open. Um, certainly here in Washington State, where the first uh, Copper River fish uh, kind of hits the market, um, things are opening up. People are going out to restaurants a bit more, uh, more people getting vaccinated. So um, that will make a difference. Um, you know, last year was because so much is dependent on the food service sector for Copper River. Last year was was really a challenge. 
Um, and prices, grounds prices were down by about 30% from what they usually are. Um, so it kind of started off in the $5 to $7 per pound range. Uh, it's kind of where they began, which is really, really high still. But um, for Copper River, that's you know lower than, lower than it can be. Um, there's a couple other factors that are playing into this year that are slightly different. One is that farm salmon prices are much higher than they were last year. Um, that has to do with the range of factors from demand to, um, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, it, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, it, this is the 17th of May uh, in Norway, and so people have been off on their holiday week. It's an important holiday for them. A lot of people truly, truly take time off, and so you tend to get a very short supply of salmon out of uh, Norway, which... You know, Copper River isn't coming in uh, fresh to Europe and not a lot of fresh Norwegian salmon's coming into the U.S. But still, um, Chilean salmon and, and other farm salmon are going to track primarily what Norwegian uh, prices do. So, you know, there might be a, a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe an advantage for Copper River. Maybe that allows uh, sellers to push it up even a little bit more than they have in the retail case. Because when you lay it next to a farm salmon filet and that farm salmon filet is you know, more expensive than it was last year. The price differential doesn't look so insane when, <laughs> as insane as it usually does when Copper River's laying next to a, a farm salmon filet. Yeah, and and you brought up the, the food service side and uh, be interesting to see uh, how, how big an impact that has this year. I mean, the higher end food service uh, restaurants in the U.S. took the biggest hit um, you know, casual dining and up to white tablecloth. So, and those are ones that uh, would normally menu a Copper River um, fish. Um, so, I think that recovery won't be quite as dramatic um, as maybe next year when, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything is back to 2019 <laughs> levels. Yeah, let, let's hope it is. Um, I, I don't want to go too deep into uh, into Copper River. And there's so much written about uh, Copper River and the phenomenon outside of sort of the industry, uh, you know, our sphere of, of, in, of covering it for the industry. So if anybody wants to know more about it, just Google Copper River. Um, go into our archive first, because I think we've written about it in the past. But if you can't find it there, there's plenty about it. But anyway, John, can you give just two sentences about kind of the Copper River phenomenon that I mentioned and just kind of how we got here? Because um, it, it's it's kind of a, a remarkable feat of marketing that really hasn't been replicated, at least in the United States. No, I mean, I, oh, God, you <laughs> tested my memory. I mean... Uh, ever since I can remember, you know, when when the uh, when these fish are first harvested, they're you know it's that first fish of the season, first wild salmon of the season. That is kind of the mystique. But back in the day, uh, you know, a few smart marketing people just made a wonderful story about how the fish have to swim up to Copper River and they get bigger and stronger and taste better and. All those things, and they reached out to chefs. I mean, all, all the things that, that we now take for granted, but um, they, they were truly uh, ahead of their time in, in marketing. 
back then. But yeah, it's you know it's that seasonal aspect of it. That first of the season, just like a lot of produce, you know, you see in stores now. They're the first peaches of the year or whatever it might be. So um, I think that is you know that's a lot of uh, has to do with with uh, its success. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been an interesting story, and like you said, it's gone. I don't know how far it goes back into the '80s. I think, um, and and just you know, just an idea that really caught on. So now there's, uh, like I said, you know, Alaska Airlines flies down a, a jet, and there's just so many promotions across the uh, across the U.S. during Copper River season, and things calm down pretty quickly after about two weeks and uh, three weeks or so. Um, other runs of Alaska uh, salmon start coming in and volumes get up there and, and prices kind of get back down to earth. Um, so, yeah, John, you, you mentioned um, com- some, some new data that you were going to talk about, um, some, some new IRI data that uh, we just reported on. And really the story, and as you said, this bodes well for Copper River and bodes well for farm salmon and bodes well for a lot of fish, um, fresh seafood is still doing great. And in fact, compared to, uh, to a year ago in volume sales, uh, was up eight and a half percent. I mean, things are really hopping for fresh, even though kind of the hype or rather the, the, the real upward trends over COVID, um, were frozen seafood and appeared to be kind of staying that way. Um, but right now, as we get into April, um, fresh seems to be ruling the ruling the day right now. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, from a dollar uh, point of view, it's up 11.5% from a year ago. You look at frozen, which is down 11%. You look at shelf stable, down 25%. This is on a dollar sales uh, volume or dollar sales value. So... Um, I think this is what a lot of people, uh, well, let me put it this way. I think a lot of people expected frozen seafood and shelf stable to kind of fall back as, as we emerge from this. I didn't hear a lot of people expecting fresh seafood to stay so strong and continue to stay strong. So this is, this is obviously very interesting and um, a good sign going forward. The other thing that um, is important to note about this. Um, if you look at all the categories um, and most of the species, they they are just crushing it from numbers seen in 2019. So, you know, there has been a significant uptick in consumer uh, purchasing of seafood across the board. I mean, if you look at the species, it's salmon, of course, is is number one, and that's up 24% since 2019. The two two outliers are crab and shrimp, or crab and lobster. Crab up 77%, lobster up 88%. Those will probably fall back, um, you know, over time. But, yeah, it's just uh, seafood is on an amazing run. You know, and it's interesting when I was looking at those dollar sale changes, like you mentioned versus 2019, those are stunning, stunning numbers. Um, and, and that, you know, when you actually break it down for, for both frozen and fresh, you know, you do see that, you do see that uh, increase. So as you said, you can kind of figure April 2020, man, what a tough month to compare with because 
I, we were all in sort of a state of shock and wondering what was going to go on at that time. Um, you know, the other thing that really jumped out to me, too, about those stats is, you know, salmon. Um, wow. The amount of salmon that is now uh, sold and just how much it dominates versus the other species is kind of remarkable. Um, you know, we, we write about everything um, and, and we cover everything, but obviously salmon... Uh, given the volume, given the activity, given just everything that's been uh, in every way that that species has developed to make it more consumer friendly, retail friendly, food service friendly. Um, man, you know, the, the, it's double, nearly double the closest uh, crab and, uh, you know, almost, let me see if my math is correct. Okay, not quite triple, but salmon is $189 million in sales and fresh in, uh, in April this year. And then you get down to shrimp and it's 72 million. You get down to cod and it's 18 million. That's just stunning. You know, it just shows you the dominance that salmon has in the U S uh, retail market. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, I mean, we know just from uh, tracking all the statistics that it's strong in, in other countries as well. And the number one species in, in many, many countries as well. But, it just struck me, you know, the the fresh numbers that we have here. Yeah, I mean, the salmon number is massive, $189 million in a month, you know. Now, shrimp is 72, but a lot of the shrimp trade uh, through retail is, is going to be frozen. So I, I don't have that frozen number in front of me, so I don't know what that is, but that's probably a big number, you know got to remember shrimp's the number one consumed so but your point your point is is spot on i mean salmon is if you if you think salmon has reached its zenith in this market you are horribly wrong horribly wrong it is it's got so much more room to grow and it's growing i can't remember drew but i I think it was growing at a five percent or more clip a year for for virtually the last decade something like that some some insane number yeah it's kind of amazing just how it's yeah how it's been uh it's been moving in the u.s market in particular um yeah and i i'm just curious to i mean what do you think you know i was wondering because april is is a weird month to compare with 2020 it's it's a really tricky month um do you think as we get more statistics as we get our may data in um as we get june july etc you know looking at 2021 versus 2019 you see just huge explosion in retail sales for frozen as well you mentioned frozen shrimp um which frozen shrimp is just under fresh salmon in sales um and that rose 53 percent in dollar sale changes uh in april 20 or april 2021 versus april 2019 um what do you think in all this sort of statistical and consumer behavior chaos here as we go further forward how do you think this year might compare with uh with last year well, with last year, I mean, it will, it will, um, it will eclipse last year for sure. The, I think the interesting year to watch is 2019 because you almost have to throw away uh, 2020 a little bit in in some regards. But um, 
to, to really understand whether what happened in 2020 is permanent. And by that, I mean that the growth that we saw across all the sea, uh, seafood categories to understand if that's really permanent. I think, you know, comparing to 2019 is, is a better way to go. So, uh, and like you said, I mean, you know, fro- uh, frozen raw shrimp up 53% over 2019. So that's massive, uh, massive growth. Um, I do think I do think we're in a new era of, of consumption here. I mean, we won't keep all the gains. And there's just no way. But um, there have been gains that, that will stay. It'd be wonderful to, to have some data on consumption but uh we don't but at least all the sales figures that that we can track um particularly at retail are telling us that uh these are these are good times right now yeah yeah well uh just pivoting a little bit uh but staying in the in the u.s this week um the biden administration um has continued the usda purchasing program uh, and announce the largest single seafood purchase in USDA history. Um, massive, massive bid. Um, $70 million worth of seafood, and that's going to go into um, U.S. domestic food assistance, um, charitable institutions. Um, you know, these types of purchases go into school lunches, um, you know, and, and it's, um, it, it, it helps out all kinds of people. Um, but this is big, and I think what's interesting is um, kind of the the number that we're at now with purchases since the start of the pandemic. So from May fifteenth, twenty twenty, through till um, the latest bid offer, um, we have now uh, the U.S. government has now uh, purchased one hundred and ninety one point four million dollars worth of seafood in the past year alone i mean that's it's suddenly um an incredibly big customer for uh u.s seafood companies um and that's both uh alaska pollock but it's also uh canned salmon and then to a much much lower extent um things like catfish and um walleye and things like that um but yeah, um, it's a uh, it's um, it's a big windfall. Um, depends on how you want to frame this, depending on maybe where you live or how you define these things. But it is um, it is a subsidy, um, and it would be interesting to kind of hear how uh, from somebody that is not from the U.S. seafood industry, because of course they're going to have uh, their views on it. Um, be interesting to see, if, you know, how people think this sort of skews the market. But I mean, we're talking, you know, stunning amounts of seafood that's getting purchased here. Um, yeah, John, what's your thought, and and why do you think that suddenly the seafood industry is having so much more? Um, I don't want to say luck because there's work behind it, but what what's going on behind the scenes that's leading to these purchases? Yeah, I, I spoke to a couple people uh, last week about that because uh, I had the same question. I'm like, wow, where, where's, where's all this coming from? And um, it seems to be a culmination of many years of work uh, between the, our, 
work from the seafood side, trying to work with USDA to, to increase their purchases. Um, seafood is healthy. Um, you know, all, all these reasons that seafood belongs in these food programs are, are known. So there's been a lot of effort behind the scenes, uh, seafood CEOs, trade associations, those types of um, efforts have been underway. And I think they're just all culminated last year in part because they got, co- you know, because of COVID. And on one hand, um, so the money is helping the ind- was helping the industry stay afloat to some degree, or at least not suffer in those early early months of COVID when we had no idea what the impact was going to be. And on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of people who need food assistance right now. A lot of people lost their jobs, and you know we have all the upset with with schools and kids and. You know, um, so it just seems to have all come together in one one moment. Now, this is this is the next question: Will will these large purchases that we're seeing today will will they continue? How long will they continue? Is this is there permanence to this? That I I don't have an answer to. I haven't heard anybody um, you know talk about that really. Well, yeah, I mean, it gets, you know, it, it, it moves a lot of product out of the pipeline when there is going to be a surplus, right? Canned salmon is a good example, but, you know, also Alaska Pollock, um, you know, um, bringing in um, frozen fillets and, and pin bone out blocks uh, off the market um, certainly has upward pressure on prices for um, for other buyers around the around the globe. So, um, you know, hey, out there, Young Seafood, Bird's Eye, um, all the companies overseas that are purchasing Pollock, when you see these big USDA bids, uh, it is going to have an impact on on your uh, the price you're going to pay too. So worth kind of watching, you know, we'll dig in a little bit more and figure out kind of what's behind uh, behind this. But um, America, you know, is is known for having really good lobbyists that can get in there and talk to their uh, representative, uh, you know, their representatives to, um, to sway them to make these purchases. To be fair, um, now I didn't do my homework ahead of time, but John can attest that I started to do my homework, but, uh, we'll, we'll start to look at, um, at how much USDA purchase, um, contracts go to beef and poultry. I'm very curious. It may, I'm assuming it dwarfs what seafood, um, purchases given that, you know, we've been, feeding America's children hamburgers for, you know, yeah, long as we've had school lunch programs. So um, fish has barely, barely been on the radar, um, you know, for, for most of uh, most of the time. Um, so, yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see. But I, it, it's um, it's it's a lot of fish and it's a lot of money. So. Uh, all right. Well, uh, John, let's leave our uh, let's leave our U.S. edition there. Um, everyone, just a reminder: in a in a month on June sixteenth, we will have our land based uh, aquaculture event. You can log on to interfishevents.com and reserve yourself a seat there. Um, I mentioned the Copper River uh, stories and the Alaska Salmon blog. You can go to our uh, page. You can bookmark 
uh, our blog. If you want to keep checking back throughout the year, um, it starts now. And then we update it throughout the season with when there's little things happening, we'll just put it right in there. So it's a great way to kind of keep on top of it. Uh, and of course, you can sign up for our newsletters uh, there as well. Just click our menu and whatever your time zone, you can get yourself signed up there. And then the last little plug, if you are listening to this on uh, your uh, iPhone or whatever device you're at, uh, you can go and you can subscribe or you can like, and that really helps us out. It helps other people find our podcast because we know there's plenty of seafood nerds out there in the world that um, that would want to keep up with, um, with uh, what's happening in the industry. All right. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>